our system was already operating at almost 100% capacity. We had worked on being very, very efficient for a very long time, so our capacity to overexpand is quite limited. So unless we reimagine the way we deliver surgical care, uh, we will not be able to catch up um, in the foreseeable future. That is Dr. David Gomez, who's a, uh, an acute uh, care and trauma surgeon over at St. Mike's Hospital. But he and others are weighing in to what is a very big problem, and that is, you know, now that Ontario is starting to reopen, we're getting a view of, you know, some of the uh, backlogs that are going to just cause further strain to an already strained healthcare system. And the new reality is this massive surgical backlog. And so we're talking everything from knee and hip surgeries. We're talking cancer surgeries, all of the elective surgeries that were sidelined during the pandemic. And we've had three of these kinds of shutdowns to elective surgeries over the last couple of years. And we already had massive wait lines for these procedures even before COVID hit. And so they've just been stacking up. So they're saying there's upwards of 330,000 surgeries that will have to somehow get done uh, and will, for some people, sadly come too late. And then others who have just not even been able to get diagnosis. And so surgeons across healthcare right now are warning that without more money and a complete rethink on how the province offers surgical care, this could be, their words, catastrophic for the whole system for years to come. Francesca Grosso is a principal over at Grosso McCarthy. She designs health policy. Also an author, she's written many books, including Navigating Canada's Healthcare, a user's guide to getting the care you need. I think you maybe need, uh, Francesca, to write a new book of fixing healthcare in Canada without freaking people out. <laughs> Can you get on that one? <laughs> your help with co-authorship, Alex. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll, I'll put my name on, but I won't be able to help you with the writing. But um, nonetheless, we talk about these issues kind of on an ongoing basis of, you know, issues in the system and what you feel is is the, the, the strategy or what would work. The fear is with people in this country is that we talk about, quote, unquote, two-tier systems. But we know that it has to be fixed. We can't keep going on like this. And so when you hear surgical teams saying, look, we need a complete rethink, that's an opportunity here for us to start talking about alternative, um, you know, ways of getting these backlogs addressed. Yeah. And I think the backlogs extend a lot further than the immediate number of, of surgeries that have been cancelled. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of pent-up demand. Pent-up demand are people who can't even go see a surgeon because the surgeon is not going to take them on knowing that they have no OR time. And that is yeah. if, for example, you look at cataracts, that's a huge issue with cataracts, is most people get diagnosed through their, their optometrist, and the optometrist tries to get you to see someone who could, could you know, remove your cataract. Well, they're not seeing people because they're now getting two and even three year wait list for that one yeah. procedure. So I, I say good for Dr. Gomez, and we need more surgeons stepping up to the plate and, and um, you know, piping in on just how dire it is because we usually get, you know, this notion that somehow we can fix things with more money and the system the way it is. And I do, that. that is just simply not possible. And it, it hasn't worked that way in any other publicly funded jurisdiction in the world. Yeah, I mean, every time we, we get billions thrown around at the hospital, sadly, I think a lot of it goes to the bureaucrats instead of bulking up the front lines, putting in the resources to making sure that we, we have the services available for patient care. But how could we take some of these surgeries out? I mean, cataract surgery, um, knee surgery, hip surgery, all these things, 
Uh, where where else could they then go? Well, they can. We, there are a lot of operators uh, and uh, organizations out there that are community based clinics. Um, that would take your OHIP card and not your visa card uh, that are already accredited by the CPSO as being out of hospital uh, premises that could uh, actually uh, ramp up to doing a lot of these procedures that are covered by OHIP because they are quite frankly using the same surgeons to do other procedures that aren't covered by OHIP. That's That's the irony of it all is that they're already doing a lot of, of uh, surgical procedures, and they're using the same, you know, physicians uh, that we get in hospitals. But these doctors will have their hospital privileges and then go to the clinic to do some of these other operations that are not covered, uh, you know, by OHIP or by by the public purse. They could easily be taking some of their patients to these clinics, and they are fully fully designated, and they are. They have accreditation uh, protocols that, in my view, having looked at Accreditations Canada that accredits uh, hospitals, I would have to say that the CPSO, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, has a very rigorous program for out-of-hospital clinics. So I think they're doing a very, very good job at uh, ensuring that the quality and the standards are there. There's no reason we can't do that. And I'll go back to what I said. Every single industrialized, publicly funded healthcare system in the world has taken most elective surgeries, not all, because you still have people who need to be in a hospital because they're very complex. But a lot of these surgeries are being done outside in these clinics. You could also have partnerships with hospitals with with clinics. There's there's a lot of different models you can go to, but I will say this. One of the things I'm trying to purge from my vocabulary, because it doesn't help the debate, is this whole, you know, the, the verbiage of, of two-tier and private, right. because what we're talking about is publicly funded services, full stop. You know, it, it, that's what we're talking about. Nobody goes to a lab to get a blood test and says, but are they, yeah. is this two-tier? No. It is a private organization that does all the blood tests or several organizations that do all the blood tests in Ontario and they happen to be private, but they are paid by the province to conduct the vast majority of lab tests that we need and nobody Mm -hmm. questions it. And they do, by the way, extremely well and they're very accurate. So we have to move beyond. One thing COVID has taught us. Yeah. And I hope it's taught government is we cannot continue with the delivery system that we have because when something hits the fan, the hospitals are just really, really focused on dealing with the immediate problem and they cannot, you know, they cannot worry about other things like elective surgeries, however important that they obviously are. So, yeah, we need a different way of looking at how we deliver services, and we've got to get the ideologues out of this debate. We've got to move into a practical uh, set of, of, uh, of potential solutions. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, people are, are dying, uh, and we have to admit that there are winners and losers, and some have been chosen as winners in this thing, and others have been uh, losers and lost their life because they couldn't get, uh, you know, timely procedures or diagnoses. But the bottom line is, as you well know, having been around government for so long and how it works, that this whole issue has been weaponized, and so the unions will 
uh, or special interest groups will bring in the American style or two tiered system to stop this conversation. But we're heading yeah. into a provincial election. We've got the Ford government that has made a lot of mistakes and should be challenged on what they will specifically do instead of just throwing money at the problem. And then you've got a contender in uh, Steve Del Duca, uh, whose government for 15 years under the admission of, of Kathleen Wynne in a recent McLean's article said, yeah, we made a mistake of not investing in health care because they were cutting back to spend it in other areas, whether it was green energy or trying to balance the books. So they didn't. That that government itself is a big reason as to why hospitals are in such awful shape right now. But I just want someone to take leadership on it and have the conversation we all know has to happen. And that is, how are we going to fix an ailing system? This is not the frontline workers, but the system does not work for our needs anymore. Yeah. And I think that the Ford government actually uh, to be fair, has thought about different ways of delivering things like cataract surgery, like potentially in the future, hips and knees, etc. I just hope it has the courage of its conviction to move ahead and uh, and not to let these ridiculously false narratives take hold because, you know, care delayed is really care denied. In a, yeah. And there's yeah. this idea that we have a great system because, in theory, everybody is eligible to get this, that, and the other. But if you can't actually get it when you need it, that is not a great healthcare system. That is not. And I will, I'll, I'll say this: this idea of more money and more money. It's how you spend your money. And you said about hospitals. I would argue that you know, to be fair to hospitals. They have a lot of processes, et cetera, because they do some very, very yeah. complicated things, and they do quite a wide range of them. But I do believe that there is a place for more nimble ambulatory care surgical centers that can do more uh, streamlined um, cases and get them through more quickly and probably much more cost-effectively um, and, and we got we have to look at this. we have to look at this. Mm-hmm. Oh, we do. I mean, my dog needed surgery, and uh, within two weeks she had that surgery. And I'm thinking, man, my dog's got great medical care. I pay for it, but it's available when I need it. And so uh, there you go. All right, Francesca, we'll talk again. Thank you for uh, bringing your outside-the-box thinking, and we'll talk again. Great. Talk to you. Bye-bye. That's uh, Francesca Grasso, who deals and uh, studies and looks into health policy. Um, And again, we, we can't stay on this course. Just can't. So I hope someone does talk about it in the upcoming election.